0: Hello, this is Gail Shallon, half of the producing team here at Storylight. I'm also the voice you heard reading you Peter Pan and Wendy, and the Wizard of Oz. Today, I'm bringing you a few short stories that make me smile as I think about this time of year, where we wrap things up, wind things down, and if you live in a part of the world that's nice and cold this time of year like I do, maybe you make a few extra cups of tea, and read a few more stories... We all have different traditions, customs, and celebrations that we share at this time of the year. In my family growing up, we celebrated Christmas, and we also acknowledged the changing of the seasons and the passage into the new year, a time of darkness outside and a time to find light within, a time to give and to spread generosity and good cheer. And most of all for me, in all of my memories from this time of year, It was a time to, even though things might seem bleak or cold or empty, look for hope and for new light. So in these three small Christmas stories that I'm going to share with you, I love them because they celebrate that contrast of the darkness and the light, of the cold and the warmth, and of the power that we have to create the warmth, kindness, and generosity from within. So sit back with a cup of hot cocoa or a warm tea, maybe a little eggnog, and enjoy Storylight's special holiday episode. The Fir Tree by Hans Christian Andersen Out in the woods stood a nice little fir tree. The place she had was a very good one. The sun shone on her. As to fresh air, there was enough of that. And round her grew many large-sized comrades, pines as well as firs. But the little fir wanted so very much to be a grown-up tree. She did not think of the warm sun and of the fresh air, She did not care for the little cottage children that ran about and prattled when they were in the woods looking for wild strawberries. The children often came with a whole pitcher full of berries or a long row of them threaded on a straw and sat down near the young tree and said, "Oh, how pretty she is, what a nice little fur. But this was what the tree could not bear to hear. At the end of a year, she had shot up a good deal. And after another year, she was another long bit taller. For with fir trees, one can always tell by the shoots how many years old they are. Oh, Were I but such a high tree as the others are, sighed she. Then I should be able to spread out my branches and with the tops to look into the wide world, Then would the birds build nests among my branches, and when there was a breeze, I could bend with as much stateliness as the others. Neither the sunbeams, nor the birds, nor the red clouds which morning and evening sailed above them, gave the little tree any pleasure. In winter, when the snow lay glittering on the ground, a hare would often come leaping along and jump right over the little tree. Oh, That made her so angry. But two winters were passed, and in the third, the tree was so large that the hare was obliged to go around it. To grow and grow, to get older and be tall, thought the tree. That, after all, is the most delightful thing in the world. In autumn, the woodcutters always came and felled some of the largest trees. This happened every year, and the young fir tree, that had now grown to a very comely size, trembled at the sight. For the magnificent great trees fell to the earth with noise and cracking, the branches were lopped off, and the trees looked long and bare. They were hardly to be recognized. And then, they were laid in carts, and the horses dragged them out of the woods. Where did they go to? What became of them? In spring, when the swallows and the storks came, the tree asked them, Don't you know where they have been taken? Have you not met them anywhere? The swallows did not know anything about it, but the stork looked musing, nodding his head and said, Yes, I think I know. I met many ships as I was flying hither from Egypt. On the ships were magnificent masts, and I venture to assert that it was they that smelt so of fur. I may congratulate you, for they lifted themselves on high most majestically. Oh, were I but old enough to fly across the sea? But how does the sea look in reality? What is it like? That would take a long time to explain, said the stork. And with these words, off he went. Rejoice in thy growth, said the sunbeams. Rejoice in thy vigorous growth and in the fresh life that moveth within thee. And the wind kissed the tree, and the dew wept tears over her. But the fir did not understand it. When Christmas came, quite young trees were cut down. Trees which often were not even as large or the same age as this fir tree, who could never rest but always wanted to be off. These young trees, and they were always the finest looking, retained their branches. They were laid on carts, and the horses drew them out of the woods. "'Where are they going to?' asked the fir. "'They are not taller than I. "'There was one indeed that was considerably shorter.' And why did they retain all their branches? Whither are they taken? We know, we know, chirped the sparrows. We have peeped in at the windows in the town below. We know whither they are taken. The greatest splendor and the greatest magnificence one can imagine await them. We peeped through the windows and saw them planted in the middle of the warm room and ornamented with the most splendid things, with gilded apples, with gingerbread, with toys, and many hundred lights. And then asked the fir tree, trembling in every bough. And then, what happens then? We did not see anything more. It was incomparably beautiful. I would fain know if I am destined for so glorious a career, cried the tree, rejoicing. That is still better than to cross the sea. What a longing I do suffer, Were Christmas but come, I am now tall and my branches spread like the others that were carried off last year. Oh, were I but already on the cart, were I in the warm room with all the splendor and magnificence. Yes, then something better, something still grander will surely follow. Or wherefore should they thus ornament me? Something better, something still grander must follow. But what? Oh, how I long, how I suffer. I do not know myself what is the matter with me. Rejoice in our presence, said the air and the sunlight. Rejoice in thy own fresh youth. But the tree did not rejoice at all. She grew and grew, and was green both winter and summer. People that saw her said, What a fine tree! And toward Christmas, she was one of the first that was cut down. The axe struck deep into the very pith. The tree fell to the earth with a sigh. She felt a pang. It was like a swoon. She could not think of happiness, for she was sorrowful at being separated from her home, from the place where she had sprung up. She knew well that she would never see her dear old comrades, the little bushes and flowers around her any more perhaps not even the birds the departure was not at all agreeable the tree only came to herself when she was unloaded in a courtyard with the other trees and heard a man say that one is splendid we don't want the others then two servants came in rich livery and carried the fir tree into a large and splendid drawing-room Portraits were hanging on the walls, and near the white porcelain stove stood two large Chinese vases with lions on the covers. There, too, were large easy chairs, silken sofas, large tables full of picture books, and full of toys worth hundreds and hundreds of crowns. At least the children said so. And the fir tree was stuck upright in a cask that was filled with sand. But no one could see that it was a cask, for green cloth hung all around it, and it stood on a large, gaily colored carpet. Oh, How the tree quivered, what was to happen? The servants, as well as the young ladies, decorated it. On one branch, there hung little nets cut out of colored paper, and each net was filled with sugar plums. And among the other boughs, gilded apples and walnuts were suspended, looking as though they had grown there. And little blue and white tapers were placed among the leaves. Dolls that looked for all the world like men, the tree had never beheld such before, were seen among the foliage. And at the very top, a large star of gold tinsel was fixed. It was really splendid. Beyond description splendid. This evening, said they all. How it will shine this evening! Oh, thought the tree, if the evening were but come, if the tapers were but lighted! And then I wonder what will happen. Perhaps the other trees from the forest will come to look at me. Perhaps the sparrows will beat against the window panes. I wonder if I shall take root here and winter and summer stand covered with ornaments. She knew very much about the matter, but she was so impatient that for sheer longing she got a pain in her back. And this with trees is the same thing as a headache with us. The candles were now lighted. What brightness, what splendor. The tree trembled so in every bough that one of the tapers set fire to the foliage. It blazed up splendidly. Help, help, cried the young ladies, and they quickly put out the fire. Now the tree did not even dare tremble. What a state she was in. She was so uneasy lest she should lose something of her splendor, that she was quite bewildered amidst the glare and brightness. When suddenly, both folding doors opened, and a troop of children rushed in as if they would upset the tree, the older persons followed quietly. The little ones stood quite still. But it was only for a moment. Then they shouted so that the whole place re-echoed with their rejoicing. They danced around the tree, and one present after the other was pulled off. What are they about? thought the tree. What is to happen now? And the lights burned down to the very branches. And as they burned down, they were put out, one after the other. And then, the children had permission to plunder the tree. So they fell upon it with such violence that all its branches cracked. If it had not been fixed firmly in the cask, it would certainly have tumbled down. The children danced about with their beautiful playthings. No one looked at the tree, except the old nurse, who peeped between the branches. But it was only to see if there was a fig or an apple left that had been forgotten. A story, a story, cried the children, drawing a little fat man toward the tree. He seated himself under it and said, Now we are in the shade, and the tree can listen too. But I shall tell only one story. Now which will you have, that about ivody Avety?" Or about Clumpy Dumpy who tumbled downstairs and yet, after all, came to throne and married the princess? Ivity-avity, cried some. Clumpy Dumpy, cried the others. There was such a bawling and screaming. The fir tree alone was silent, and she thought to herself, am I not to bawl with the rest? Am I to do nothing, whatever? for she was one of the company and had done what she had to do. And the man told about Clumpy Dumpy that tumbled down, who notwithstanding came to the throne and at last married the princess. And the children clapped their hands and cried out, Oh, go on, do go on. They wanted to hear about Ivadyavady too. But the little old man only told them about Clumpy Dumpy. The fir tree stood quite still and absorbed in thought. The birds in the woods had never related the like of this. Clumpy Dumpy fell downstairs, and yet he married the princess. Yes, yes, that's the way of the world, thought the fir tree, and believed it all, because the man who told the story was so good looking. Well, well, who knows? Perhaps I may fall downstairs, too, and get married and live happily ever after. And she looked forward with joy to the morrow, when she hoped to be decked out again with lights, playthings, fruits, and tinsel. I won't tremble tomorrow, thought the fir tree. I will enjoy to the full all my splendor. Tomorrow I shall hear again the story of Clumpy Dumpy, and perhaps that of Ivety Avidy too. And the whole night, the tree stood still and in deep thought. In the morning, the servant and the housemaid came in. Now then, the splendor will begin again, thought the fir. But they dragged her out of the room and up the stairs into the loft. And here, in a dark corner, where no daylight could enter, they left her. What's the meaning of this, thought the tree, what am I to do here? What shall I hear now, I wonder? And she leaned against the wall, lost in reverie. Time enough had she, too, for her reflections, for days and nights passed on and nobody came up. And when at last somebody did come, it was only to put some great trunks in a corner out of the way. There stood the tree, quite hidden. It seemed as if she had been entirely forgotten. "'Tis now winter out of doors,' thought the tree. "'The earth is hard and covered with snow. "'Men cannot plant me now. "'And therefore, I have been put up here under shelter till the springtime comes. "'How thoughtful that is! "'How kind man is, after all! "'If it only were not so dark here, and so terribly lonely. "'Not even a hare. And out in the woods, it was so pleasant when the snow was on the ground, and the hare leaped by, yes, even when he jumped over me. But I did not like it then. It is really terribly lonely here. Squeak, squeak, said a little mouse at the same moment, peeping out of his hole. And then another little one came. They sniffed about the fir tree and rustled among the branches. It is dreadfully cold, said the mouse. But for that, it would be delightful here, old fir, wouldn't it? I am by no means old, said the fir tree. There's many a one considerably older than I am. Where did you come from? Asked the mice. And what can you do? They were so extremely curious. Tell us about the most beautiful beautiful spot on the earth have you ever been there were you never in the larder where cheeses lie on the shelves and hams hang from above where one dances about on tallow candles that place where one enters lean and comes out again fat and portly i know no such place said the tree But I know the woods, where the sun shines, and where little birds sing. And then she told all about her youth, and the little mice had never heard the like before. And they listened and said, well, to be sure, how much you have seen, how happy you must have been. I, said the fir tree, thinking over what she had herself related. Yes, in reality, those were happy times. And then she told about Christmas Eve, when she was decked out with cakes and candles. Oh, said the little mice. How fortunate you have been, old fir tree. I am by no means old, said she. I came from the woods this winter. I am in my prime and am only rather short for my age. What delightful stories you know, said the mice. And the next night, they came with four other little mice, who were to hear what the tree recounted. And the more she related, the more plainly she remembered all herself. And it appeared as if those times had really been happy times. But they may still come. They may still come. Clumpy Dumpy fell downstairs, and yet... He got married and lived happily ever after. And she thought at the moment of a nice little birch tree growing out in the woods. To the fir, that would be happily ever after. Who is Clumpy Dumpy? asked the mice. So then the fir tree told the whole fairy tale, for she could remember every single word of it. And the little mice jumped for joy up to the very top of the tree. Next night, two more mice came, and on Sunday, two rats, even. But they said the stories were not interesting, which vexed the little mice. And they, too, now began to think them not so very amusing, either. Do you only know one story? Asked the rats. Only that one, answered the tree. I heard it on my happiest evening, but... I did not then know how happy I was. It's a very stupid story. Don't you know one about bacon and tallow candles? Can't you tell larder stories? No, said the tree. Then goodbye, said the rats, and they went home. At last, the little mice stayed away also, and the tree sighed. After all, it was very pleasant when the sleek little mice sat around me and listened to what I told them. Now, that too is over. But I will take good care to enjoy myself when I am brought out again. But when would that be? Why, one morning there came a quantity of people and set to work in the loft. The trunks were moved, the tree was pulled out and thrown, rather hard it is true, down on the floor but a man drew her toward the stairs where the daylight shone now a merry life will begin again thought the tree she felt the fresh air the first sunbeam and now she was out in the courtyard all passed so quickly there was so much going on around her that the tree quite forgot to look to herself the court adjoined a garden and all was in flower. The roses hung so fresh and odorous over the balustrade, the lindens were in blossom, the swallows flew by and said, Kirribit, my true love is come! But it was not the fir tree that they meant. Now, then, I shall really enjoy life, said she exultingly, and spread out her branches. But alas, They were all withered and yellow. It was in a corner that she lay, among weeds and nettles. The golden star of tinsel was still on the top of the tree and glittered in the sunshine. In the courtyard, some of the merry children were playing who had danced at Christmas round the fir tree and were so glad at the sight of her. One of the youngest ran and tore off the golden star. Only look what is still on the ugly old Christmas tree said he, trampling on the branches, so that they all cracked beneath his feet. And the tree beheld all the beauty of the flowers and the freshness in the garden. She beheld herself and wished she had remained in her dark corner in the loft. She thought of her first youth in the woods, of the merry Christmas Eve, and of the little mice who had listened with so much pleasure to the story of Clumpy Dumpy. Tis over, tis past, said the poor tree. Had I but rejoiced when I had reason to do so, but now tis past, tis past. And the gardener's boy chopped the tree into small pieces. There was a whole heap lying there. The wood flamed up splendidly under the large brewing copper, and it sighed so deeply. Each sigh was like a shot. The boys played about in the court, and the youngest wore the gold star on his breast, which the tree had had on the happiest evening of her life. However, that was over now. The tree gone. The story at an end. All. All was over. Every tale must end at last. Little Girl's Christmas by Winifred E. Lincoln It was Christmas Eve, and Little Girl had just hung up her stocking by the fireplace, right where it would be all ready for Santa when he slipped down the chimney. She knew he was coming because, well, because it was Christmas Eve. And because he always had come to leave gifts for her on all the other Christmas Eves that she could remember. And because she had seen his pictures everywhere downtown that afternoon when she was out with mother. Still, she wasn't just satisfied. Way down in her heart, she was a little uncertain. You see, when you have never really and truly seen a person with your very own eyes, it's hard to feel as if you exactly believed in him, even though that person always has left beautiful gifts for you every time he has come. Oh, he'll come, said little girl. I just know he will be here before morning, but somehow I wish. Well, what do you wish? Said a tiny voice close by her, so close that little girl fairly jumped when she heard it. Why, I wish I could see Santa myself, I'd just like to go and see his house and his workshop and ride in his sleigh and... No, Mrs. Santa, twould be such fun. And then I'd know for sure. Why don't you go then? Said the tiny voice. It's easy enough. Just try on these shoes and take this light in your hand and you'll find your way, all right. So little girl looked down on the hearth. And there were two cunning little shoes side by side, and a little spark of light close to them, just as if they were all made out of one of the glowing coals of the wood fire. Such cunning shoes as they were, little girl could hardly wait to pull off her slippers and try them on. They looked as if they were too small, but they weren't. They fitted exactly right. And just as little girl had put them on and taken the light in her hand, Along came a little breath of wind, and away she went up the chimney, along with ever so many other little sparks, past the soot fairies and out into the open air, where Jack Frost and the starbeams were all busy at work making the world look pretty for Christmas. Away went the little girl, two shoes, bright light and all, higher and higher, until she looked like a wee bit of a star stuck up in the sky. It was the funniest thing, but she seemed to know the way perfectly, and didn't have to stop to make inquiries anywhere. You see, it was a straight road all the way, and when one doesn't have to think about turning to the right or the left, it makes things very much easier. Pretty soon, little girl noticed that there was a bright light all around her. Oh, a very bright light- And right away, something down in her heart began to make her feel very happy indeed. She didn't know that the Christmas spirits and little Christmas fairies were all around her, and even right inside her, because she couldn't see a single one of them, even though her eyes were very bright and could usually see a great deal. But that was just it, and little girl felt as if she wanted to laugh and sing and be glad. It made her remember the sick boy who lived next door. And she said to herself that she would carry him one of her prettiest picture books in the morning, so that he could have something to make him happy all day. By and by, when the bright light all around her had grown very, very much brighter, little girl saw a path right in front of her, all straight and trim, leading up a hill to a big, Big house with ever and ever so many windows in it. When she had gone just a bit nearer, she saw candles in every window red and green and yellow ones, and every one burning brightly. So Little Girl knew right away that these were Christmas candles to light her on her journey and make the way dear for her. And something told her that this was Santa's house, and that pretty soon she would perhaps see Santa himself. Just as she neared the steps, and before she could possibly have had time to ring the bell, the door opened, opened of itself as wide as could be. And there stood, not Santa himself, don't think it, but a funny little man with slender little legs and a roly-poly stomach which shook every now and then when he laughed. You would have known right away, just as little girl knew, that he was a very happy little man, Quick as a wink, he pulled off his little peaked red cap, smiled the broadest kind of a smile, and said, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, come in, come in. So in went little girl, holding fast to little man's hand. And when she was really inside, there was the jolliest reddest fire all glowing and snapping. And there were little man and all his brothers and sisters who said their names were Merry Christmas and Good Cheer and ever so many other jolly-sounding things. And there were such a lot of them that little girl just knew she could never count them, no matter how long she tried. All around her were bundles and boxes and piles of toys and games. And little girl knew that these were all ready and waiting to be loaded into Santa's big sleigh for his reindeer to whirl them away over cloud tops and snow drifts to the little people down below who had left their stockings all ready for him. Pretty soon, all the little good cheer brothers began to hurry and bustle and carry out the bundles as fast as they could to the steps where Little Girl could hear the jingling bells and the stamping of hooves. So Little Girl picked up some bundles and skipped along too, for she wanted to help a bit herself. It's no fun whatever at Christmas unless you can help, you know. And there in the yard stood the biggest sleigh that little girl had ever seen. And the reindeer were all stamping and prancing and jingling the bells on their harnesses. Because they were so eager to be on their way to the earth once more. She could hardly wait for Santa to come. And just as she had begun to wonder where he was, the door opened again, and out came a whole forest of Christmas trees. At least it looked just as if a whole forest had started out for a walk somewhere. But a second glance showed Little Girl that there were thousands of Christmas sprites, and that each one carried a tree or a big Christmas wreath on its back. Behind them all, she could hear someone laughing loudly and talking in a big, jovial voice that sounded as if he were good friends with the whole world. And straight away she knew that Santa himself was coming. Little girl's heart went pit-a-pat for a minute while she wondered if Santa would notice her. But she didn't have to wonder long, for he spied her at once and said, Bless my soul, who's this? And where did you come from? Little girl thought perhaps she might be afraid to answer him. But she wasn't one bit afraid. You see, he had such a kind twinkle in his eyes that she felt happy right away as she replied, Oh, I'm little girl, and I wanted so much to see you, Santa, that I just came, and here I am. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, laughed Santa. "'And here you are. Wanted to see Santa, did you? And so you came. Now that's very nice. And it's too bad I'm in such a hurry, for we should like nothing better than to show you about and give you a real good time. But you see, it is quarter of twelve now, and I must be on my way at once. Else I'll never reach that first chimney top by midnight.' I'd call Mrs. Santa and ask her to get you some supper, but she is busy finishing doll's clothes, which must be done before morning, and I guess we'd better not bother her. Is there anything that you would like, little girl? And good old Santa put his big warm hand on little girl's curls, and she felt his warmth and kindness clear down to her very heart. You see, my dears, that even though Santa was in such a great hurry, he wasn't too busy to stop and make someone happy for a minute, even if it was someone no bigger than little girl. So she smiled back into Santa's face and said, Oh, Santa, if I could only ride down to earth with you behind those splendid reindeer, I'd love to go. Won't you please take me? I'm so small that I won't take up much room on the seat, and I'll keep very still and not bother one bit. Then Santa laughed, such a laugh, big and loud and rollicking, and he said, Once a ride does she. Well, well, shall we take her little elves? Shall we take her little fairies? Shall we take her good reindeer? And all the little elves hopped and skipped and brought little girl a sprig of holly. And all the little fairies bowed and smiled and brought her a bit of mistletoe. And all the good reindeer jingled their bells loudly, which meant, oh yes, let's take her, she's a good little girl, let her ride. And before little girl could even think, she found herself all tucked up in the big fur robes beside Santa. And away they went, right out into the air, over the clouds, through the Milky Way, and right under the very handle of the Big Dipper. On and on toward the Earthland, whose lights little girl began to see twinkling away down below her. Presently, she felt the runners scrape upon something, and she knew they must be on someone's roof, and that Santa would slip down someone's chimney in a minute. How she wanted to go, too. You see, if you had never been down a chimney and seen Santa fill up the stockings, you would want to go quite as much as little girl did, now wouldn't you? So, just as little girl was wishing as hard as ever she could wish, she heard a tiny voice say, hold tight to his arm, hold tight to his arm. So, she held Santa's arm tight and close. And he shouldered his pack, never thinking that it was heavier than usual. And with a bound and a slide, there they were. Santa, little girl, pack, and all. Right in the middle of a room where there was a fireplace and stockings all hung up for Santa to fill. Just then, Santa noticed little girl. He had forgotten all about her for a minute, and he was very much surprised to find that she had come too. Bless my soul, he said. Where did you come from, little girl? And how in the world can we both get back up that chimney again? It's easy to slide down, but it's quite another matter to climb up again. And Santa looked real worried. But little girl was beginning to feel very tired by this time, for she had had a very exciting evening. So she said, Oh, never mind me, Santa. I've had such a good time and I'd just as soon stay here a while as not. I believe I'll curl up on this hearth rug a few minutes and have a little nap, for it looks as warm and cozy as our own hearth rug at home, and... Why? It is our own hearth, and it's my own nursery, for there is Teddy Bear in his chair where I leave him every night, and there's Bunny Cat curled up on his cushion in the corner and little girl turned to thank Santa and say goodbye to him. But either he had gone very quickly, or else she had fallen asleep very quickly. She could never tell which. For the next thing she knew, Daddy was holding her in his arms and was saying, What is my little girl doing here? She must go to bed for it's Christmas Eve, and old Santa won't come if he thinks there are any little folks about but little girl knew better than that and when she began to tell him all about it and how the christmas fairies had welcomed her and how santa had given her such a fine ride daddy laughed and laughed and said you've been dreaming little girl you've been dreaming but little girl knew better than that too for on the hearth was the little black coal which had given her two shoes and bright light and tighten her hand she held a holly berry, which one of the Christmas sprites had placed there. More than all that, there she was on the hearth rug herself, just as Santa had left her, and that was the best proof of all. The trouble was, Daddy himself had never been a little girl, so he couldn't tell anything about it. But we know she hadn't been dreaming now, don't we, my dears? A Christmas Star by Catherine Pyle Come now, my dear little stars, said Mother Moon, and I will tell you a Christmas story. Every morning for a week before Christmas, Mother Moon used to call all the little stars around her and tell them a story. It was always the same story, but the stars never wearied of it. It was the story of the Christmas star. When Mother Moon had finished the story, the little stars always said, And the star is shining still, isn't it, Mother Moon, even if we can't see it? And Mother Moon would answer, Yes, my dears, only now it shines for men's hearts instead of their eyes. Then, the stars would bid the Mother Moon good night, and put on their little blue nightcaps and go to bed in the sky chamber. For the stars' bedtime is when people down on Earth are beginning to waken and see that it is morning. But that particular morning, when the little stars said goodnight and went quietly away, one golden star still lingered beside Mother Moon. What is the matter, my little star? asked the Mother Moon. Why don't you go with your little sisters? Oh, Mother Moon, said the golden star. I am so sad. I wish I could shine for someone's heart like that star of wonder you tell us about. Why, aren't you happy up here in the sky country? Asked Mother Moon. Yes, I have been very happy, said the star. But tonight, it seems just as if I must find some heart to shine for. Then if that is so, said Mother Moon, the time has come, my little star, for you to go through the Wonder Entry. The Wonder Entry? What is that? Asked the star. But the Mother Moon made no answer. Rising, She took the little star by the hand and led it to a door that it had never seen before. The Mother Moon opened the door, and there was a long, dark entry. At the far end was shining a little speck of light. What is this? Asked the star. It is the Wonder Entry, and it is through this that you must go to find the heart where you belong, said the Mother Moon. Then the little star was afraid. It longed to go through the entry as it had never longed for anything before, and yet, it was afraid and clung to the mother moon. But very gently, almost sadly, the mother moon drew her hand away. Go, my child, she said. Then, wondering and trembling, the little star stepped into the wonder entry and the door of the sky house closed behind it. The next thing the star knew, it was hanging in a toy shop with a whole row of other stars, blue and red and silver. It itself was gold. The shop smelled of evergreen and was full of Christmas shoppers, men and women and children. But of them all, the star looked at no one but a little boy standing in front of the counter. For as soon as the star saw the child, it knew that he was the one to whom it belonged. The little boy was standing beside a sweet-faced woman in a long black veil, and he was not looking at anything in particular. The star shook and trembled on the string that held it, because it was afraid lest the child would not see it, or lest, if he did, he would not know it as his star. The lady had a number of toys on the counter before her, and she was saying, Now I think we have presents for everyone. There's the doll for Lou, and the game for Ned, and the music box for May, and then the rocking horse and the sled. Suddenly, the little boy caught her by the arm. Oh, Mother, he said. He had seen the star. Well, what is it, darling? asked the lady. Oh, Mother, Just see that star up there? I wish, oh, I do wish I had it. Oh, my dear, we have so many things for the Christmas tree, said the mother. Yes, I know, but I do want the star, said the child. Very well, said the mother, smiling. Then we will take that too. So the star was taken down from the place where it hung and wrapped up in a piece of paper, and all the while it thrilled with joy, for now it belonged to the little boy. It was not until the afternoon before Christmas, when the tree was being decorated, that the golden star was unwrapped and taken out from the paper. Here is something else, said the sweet-faced lady, we must hang this on the tree. Paul took such a fancy to it that I had to get it for him. He will never be satisfied unless we hang it on, too. Oh, yes, said someone else who was helping to decorate the tree. We will hang it here on the very top. So the little star hung on the highest branch of the Christmas tree. That evening, all the candles were lighted on the Christmas tree. And there were so many that they fairly dazzled the eyes. And the gold and silver balls, the fairies and the glass fruits shone and twinkled in the light. And high above them all shone the golden star. At seven o'clock, a bell was rung. And then the folding doors of the room where the Christmas tree stood were thrown open and a crowd of children came trooping in. They laughed and shouted and pointed and all talked together, and after a while, there was music, and presents were taken from the tree and given to the children. How different it all was from the great, wide, still sky house. But the star had never been so happy in all its life, for the little boy was there. He stood apart from the other children, looking up at the star, with his hands clasped behind him, and he did not seem to care for the toys and the games. At last, it was all over. The lights were put out, the children went home, and the house grew still. Then the ornaments on the tree began to talk among themselves. So that is all over, said a silver ball. It was very gay this evening, the gayest Christmas I remember. Yes, said a glass bunch of grapes. The best of it is over, Of course, people will come to look at us for several days yet, but it won't be like this evening. And then I suppose we'll be laid away for another year, said a paper fairy. Really, it seems hardly worth the while, such a few days out of the year, and then to be shut up in the dark box again. I almost wish I were a paper doll. The bunch of grapes was wrong in saying that people would come to look at the Christmas tree the next few days, for it stood neglected in the library, and nobody came near it. Everybody in the house went about very quietly, with anxious faces, for the little boy was ill. At last, one evening, a woman came into the room with a servant. The woman wore the cap and apron of a nurse. That is it, she said, pointing to the golden star. The servant climbed up on some steps and took down the star and put it in the nurse's hand, and she carried it out into the hall and upstairs to a room where the little boy lay. The sweet-faced lady was sitting by the bed, and as the nurse came in, she held out her hand for the star. Is this what you wanted, my darling? She asked, bending over the little boy. The child nodded and held out his hands for the star, and as he clasped it, a wonderful shining smile came over his face. The next morning, The little boy's room was very still and dark. The golden piece of paper that had been the star lay on a table beside the bed, its five points very sharp and bright. But it was not the real star, any more than a person's body is the real person. The real star was living and shining now in the little boy's heart, and it had gone out with him into a new and more beautiful sky country than it had ever known before. The sky country where the little child angels live, each one carrying in its heart its own particular star. Thank you, again, for continuing to join us for each episode of Storylight. And if you're new to us, we send you the warmest welcome. Whether you're a new listener or an old friend, we at Storylight would be very grateful if you would subscribe to the podcast and give it a nice rating and review on whatever platform you listen. More than that, though, we would love for more people to be able to enjoy these stories. So please, tell a friend about us. You are my joy. You are my happy thoughts. We'll see you next time.